Yes, we have many in here today who have served, and, uh, and we do thank you. Uh, we are we're honored to be able to do this. Many times throughout history, uh, we haven't been able to uh, do what we are doing right here, congregating uh, as we are uh, to worship in freedom. And uh, it is from people just like you who have served that we are able to do this. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, I want to I want to do a Bible study with you today, and uh, you've, you've probably heard me say in the past that as you read the Bible, sometimes you black out. Uh, as you as you read, uh, be looking for God. Um, don't try to put yourself into the story. Uh, just take out what is there. Uh, so today, we're going to read, and we're going to put ourselves in the story. <laughs> now, this is, this is a parable, so this is, this is the appropriate time to see, okay, where do I fit in uh, to, to this story? Uh, so last week, we talked about the kingdom of God. Uh, most of the parables in the Bible are about the kingdom of God. We know that the kingdom of God is already, but it's not yet. It's already here, but it's not yet uh, fulfilled, And so we live in sort of this space where God is in control, but we are still subject to this world. And we know that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, as the, Bible's, uh, the, the Bible says. So I want to give you uh, another parable. We're going to continue on with this uh, theme of the kingdom of God. And, and I want to look at um, you for just a moment. And so we have chairs up here, and these chairs represent you. Okay? And so you can sort of find your chair. Uh, I'm going to give you fair warning. One of these chairs does not belong to you. This is kind of like a Sesame Street thing here. Like one of these chairs is not like the other. Uh, and it's not, it's not your chair. Um, but the other two are. And maybe, maybe you will find yourself here. Okay. I want to read to you uh, Luke chapter 15. Lane, would you please hand me my Bible? I have all the scripture on the screen, uh, but so that I could keep my notes organized, I'm going to read um, from my Bible, and I forgot to flip to Luke chapter 15. So if you uh, know anything about the Woodbridge Church, you know that uh, what we have to say is based upon this. This is my Bible. This is a library of books. There are 66 books in this Bible. The first 39 are the Old Testament or the Old Law or the Old Covenant, and uh, they, give, they give heed that a Messiah is coming, a Savior is coming, the Christ is coming. That was Jesus. And so when Jesus comes, uh, everything changes. In fact, your calendar changes from B.C. to A.D. Uh, so when Jesus comes, everything changes. He brings a new law, a new covenant, a new uh, testament. And not because he did away with the old, but because he filled or fulfilled the old. All right. So in Luke chapter 15, God is explaining this new covenant, this new law. He's explaining the kingdom of God. And uh, he's giving us hints into the nature of God. And I'm going to read you a story that you have heard before, but I want you to stay tuned because you've probably never read it. Most, I mean, we are in America, okay? Most of us have heard this story. You've heard it probably called The Prodigal Son. 
uh, but most have never actually read this story. So please don't assume that you know this story. Uh, I would love for you to please stay tuned with me. I'm in verse 11. All the scripture will be on the screen because no one expected you to have a Bible or to be a scholar or to know where the book of Luke even is, okay? Uh, so just follow along with us. If you don't know all this story, that's okay. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Uh, but take notes, write it down, and we have a Bible for you in the foyer. Please take one home. Please. It is our joy for you to do so. He also said, this is Jesus speaking, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am, dying of hunger? I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I have been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Pray with me. Lord, please show us. Please show us what you want. And please show us you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, we see the three characters in this story. We see little brother. How many of you are the little brother? Or daughter, the youngest. Okay? It was a party, wasn't it? How many of you are the oldest child? Or at least have younger siblings? No fun for you. What about, what about the parent? Who's a parent? All right, now, that actually doesn't matter at all. <laughs> because we're speaking metaphorically. 
is a parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so uh, don't, don't apply yourself in a seat because of the position in your family. Because this ain't you, baby. All right? When we read Scripture, think about it like this. There is gold on the ground, and there is gold under the ground. I'm only going to talk to you today about the gold on top of the ground. Because, like, at its best, this is a story about Jews and Gentiles and the hereafter. Okay? But the gold on the ground is really important to us today. This story means something different to you than it would have to uh, uh, some Jewish viewers. But assign yourself one of these two seats, not based on your position in your family, but based on your position to the Father. Okay? And that's how you will find yourself today. Let's start with the youngest son, who humbled himself to the Father, but had to try it his own way. And some of you are like, I already knew if that was my seat. <laughs> so, the... I don't do this often because the glare is on the screen, but today, I will. The youngest son goes to the father and says, give me my share of the inheritance. Now, you've got to understand that's not the way it works. You only receive an inheritance when, when the father passes away. And so the youngest son says, I don't want to do it according to tradition. I want to do this the way I want to do this. Give me my inheritance. And so the father would have had to find a way to liquidate his assets in such a way that he could give, I'll get to this later, a third of all that he owned to his youngest son. And the youngest son went out and wasted a third of all that his father had given him. Now, what is the point in an inheritance. Maybe you would like to have kids one day and you would like to leave them an inheritance. Why? So that they can go out and engage in prostitution in a faraway land? No. It's so that they can live comfortably and have the means to raise their family. That's what the inheritance is for. But the youngest son decided to squander that on himself. And maybe you sat in this seat because the father gave you gifts and you decided to use them not for the progression of the family, but for self. Do you understand that your father has given you gifts? If you are a Christian and you are, an, and, and you are arrogant, you need to repent because the reason you have arrogance is because you're good at something. If you are good at something, it's because he gave it to you. You could not draw breath without the gift from the Father. Therefore, arrogance can be nowhere in your repertoire because all you have is what he gave you to use for him. Well, isn't that arrogant of God? Oh, <laughs> 
You see, the problem is, this dude saw the world revolving around himself. I didn't plan to do this, but this is not impressive. You're like, I want to go up there and see if I can do that. He saw himself as the center of the universe. The world revolved around him. Do you understand there's too much pressure to put on yourself? If you make yourself the center of the universe, you are the gravity that everything sucks to. It will bring you down because you are not built to sustain that kind of pressure. The Father is. So it's not arrogant of the Father. It's a relief to you that the world doesn't revolve around you. Now, the money is gone. And here's what I need you to understand. It's not coming back. At no point in that story did you see him get his money back. Do you, do you understand that? This young son or daughter squandered his gifts. And we never see it come back in this story. And there are some things that are lost. And many of you can say that. There are some things that I was given that I did not steward, that I did not take care of, and they're not coming back. It's over for me. Was it over for him? No. His father took him back. Does that mean he has the wealth that he could have had? No. But it's not over. I'm going to get to that. His money doesn't come back. Because his consequences are real. Is he still a son of the Father? Yes. Does his Father still take him in? Yes. Are the consequences still real? Yes. And this is how it is in the kingdom of God. We say, God will forgive me. Absolutely. The young man is forgiven, but he ain't rich. Okay? Just because you are a believer, just because you're a Christian, does not mean that you escape consequences. In fact, much like you do if you are a good father, you make certain that there are consequences. And many have said that. I've been very vocal about this. It is very countercultural for me to say that God punishes his children. I hear it all the time, and I want to metaphorically jump off a theological bridge, okay? It's like, that is not in the Bible. Oh, that God doesn't do that. God wouldn't be angry with you. He does. Yes, he is. God's been angry with me many a times. And listen. It hurts. <laughs> Some things that might get taken away that might never come back. But the sonship never goes away. The consequences are real, but I didn't lose my father. I just lost my stuff. And in the end... And this is, this is some gold under the ground. I'm not going to talk about this long. But in the end, the young man gets a banquet. There are some things that are thematic in the Bible that are sort of a buzzword to tell you 
there's something bigger going on. Dig, X marks the spot. Dig. And a banquet is one of those things. You will find it all through the Scripture, and it is almost always alluding to heaven. The fullness of the kingdom of heaven. As a banquet is abundance. And in this life, we have the kingdom of God already, but it's not yet full. So we don't have an abundance. Because you can go out and share Jesus, and eventually you will find that there is not an abundance of support for you. You will have some, and that's why we have a church. Praise God. But you will find out that there is not an abundance of support for you. So the fact that there is a banquet means that He is accepted back as sonship. If this is your seat, that means that even though you have gone and squandered the gifts of the Father, He will receive you back and you will go to be with your Father in heaven for eternity. Can I get a hallelujah? You've got to understand that this young man went out and fed pigs. This doesn't mean a lot to you, but to a Jewish culture, that is the same thing as saying, hey, tell you what, we're going to go pull off all the gas station toilet seats. We're going to barbecue them up and have a feast. I ain't eating that. That's, that's unclean. That's what a pig is to a Jew. It is unclean. And the fact that this man has gone and tended pigs, also that tells you that he went to a faraway land. He ran away from the kingdom. He ran away from his father and all of his people so that he could go live how he wanted, however he wanted, and nobody could say anything about it. And you've been there, haven't you? And we have ran away. And, and he was unclean. And some of you feel that way. And I've spoken to many of you. And you say that I have been that younger son. I have run away. And I have come back. But honestly, I don't really know if the Father's going to let me in. That's why he wrote you this book. That's why he wrote you this story. That's why the son exists in this story. Because that is you. The Father takes him back and he gets a banquet. He was unclean. He could not come back into his father's house. He could not be literally in the doors of the house until he has gone through a ceremonial cleansing. And the father says, I don't care. That's my son. That is you. You are a child of God. You cannot set yourself in this seat because you don't have the authority to overgo, if that's a word, a ceremonial cleansing. Only God can set in this seat. And he says, you are my son. Consequences? Yeah. Are you poor now? <laughs> Sorry, you blew it. But you are still my son. I still love you. I gave you a robe. I put a ring on you. He put some bling on the boy and gave him a banquet. That is you. Now the story stops there. For the younger son. And when the banquet is over, <laughs> I don't really know. We can only speculate from that point. My guess is the dude goes to work. My guess is he goes to work. My guess is when it comes time for the father to pass, the only thing left is going to the older son. And in fact, that's not a guess. We're going to get to that in a minute. But he is taken care of. His needs are met. He's a son of the Father. It is not too late. He has not gotten so... Listen, he engaged in wild living, prostitution, 
And, and I'm telling you, for y'all, that's like, oh, yeah, well, that's, man, he's, that dude came back. He's got the heebie-jeebies. It's going to be whatever. It's the pigs that was the problem. I'm telling you. For this Jewish culture, hearing that story, they're like, whoa, whoa. And this is what tells you that God is accepting uh, the Gentiles into his uh, fold. So again, that's more gold under the ground we're not going to talk about. But the point for you today is that you are not so unclean that the Father will not take you. Now, we have the oldest son who, as we found out, is angry with the father. And I get it. I get it. Because when the young son comes home, the older son comes from where? From work. He's gone days at a time, tending flocks, whatever he is doing, with less than what used to be there because the father had to liquidate his assets enough to give a third to this youngest son. And so now, like, I used to go to, to work with, you know, I had a mule to take me or whatever, and, and it's not there now because this little loser, right? Because this punk, and so he's in his head, and rightfully so. He's probably tired. He didn't get a lot of sleep. He came in. Because nobody's there to take turns with him watching sheep because little brother ran off. And you know exactly how that goes, don't you? The old saying is 80% of the people do 20% of the work and 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Why? Because he ran off. So I'm the one tending the sheep. So when he comes back, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Right? And the older brother has set himself up a little piously above the younger brother. I'm going to quote scripture to him in a bathrobe smoking a pipe in a library that smells rich of mahogany. And I'm going to tell this young fool, right? He's elevated. He's elevated. He can't wait to see him get put in his place if he ever came back. And he comes back, and there's flutes. And dad killed a cow. What's up with that? You never even gave me a goat. I didn't run off. I've served you, God. I never went and, I never went and did that. I didn't even try drugs, God. I stuck with you the whole time, and I'm not rich. God, I didn't run off on you. There's never been a time where I denied my faith. And I don't have what he has. He got to go off and do all this. And you're telling me. And you're telling me. We see it that way. But you know what, what he's missing? You know what he's missing? Hey, your brother's alive. You, you, you. No, no. You didn't give me your brother, who you thought was dead, is alive. Ta-da! I know that you're angry with him, but did you not value his life? 
and he missed it. He didn't have his brother's help. And, and obviously, Dad, and here's what we're really holding against him. I'm the faithful one. Shouldn't I kind of get babied a little bit after that? Shouldn't I get a little extra attention? Can't we hire somebody else to go out and watch the sheep? Since I'm such a good boy. But he still has the work. And he's salty about it. And he's probably saying dumb stuff like, nice guys finish last. <laughs> hey, listen, if you ever catch yourself saying that, I want you to just do this thing. It, five things, okay? Five fingers and slap yourself right across the face. <laughs> do those five things. Nice guys finish last. Hey, listen, don't. Well, I guess now I've got to say it. I probably shouldn't have said this. Don't confuse nice with coward. Because that's really what you're talking about. Like kindness is a godly thing. Nice guys finish last. Nice guys finish with friends and people who love them is what happens. Or so I'm told, I don't know. <laughs> what he doesn't admit in these things is that he got the greater inheritance to begin with. He never saw the little brother's point of view. See, the way this happens is the older brother gets the double portion of the inheritance because he is the oldest son. And so the father would take and divide his assets to both brothers. So essentially what would happen is he would divide it in thirds, and he gets two-thirds, and he gets one-third. He never saw it like that. He never thought that the little brother thought that he was working for less than him. He never saw that the little brother was jealous of him the whole time. That maybe the way that you treated him might have, been, might have had something to go. Might have had something to do with, with, with the part of me going. None of that made sense, but I think you get what I'm saying. And so this dude throws a fit at the party. This guy is bitter with the Lord. Has nothing to do with anyone else. But he's doing the same thing that his little brother did. Why is he throwing a fit? Because the world revolves around me. Right? And all I can see is my peace in this. And here's what I've done. Why should he be honored? What does him have being honored have to do with you, bud? You think daddy doesn't know who stuck by his side the whole time? Don't you understand that everything that he has left is yours? You're mad, I'm working for my dad, I'm working for my dad. You're working for yourself at this point. Be grateful you still have your dad because it's all yours. Now, what about this banquet, though? Should he be celebrated when I'm the one who deserves to be celebrated and I have not? And he misses the point. He never sees his own blessing and he denies himself the ability to rejoice that his brother is still alive. Middle child, I want you to understand regardless of how he is treated, you still have the inheritance. 
you still have the blessing. Not so long ago, he was starving. He literally had to get down so low that he longed to eat pig slop. And you didn't have to. He will carry around emotional baggage <laughs> all of his days. He will struggle with relationships because of what he's engaged in. Dude, just let him have a banquet. Not everything revolves around you, middle son. Let your brother have a banquet. Psalm 84.10 Better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. Christian, don't be jealous because it looks good on Instagram. As you know, little brother took some pictures, and he used a filter. You know he used a filter. And some of y'all need to stop using filters because, like, people are disappointed to meet you. Like, oh, that's what you look like? Regardless. You know he took pictures. He used filters. He made it look good. And big brother's over there like, he gets to have all the it, Dude, stop being foolish. Man, 30 seconds of fun. If you ever, do you have any friends in this lifestyle? I call it life looking over your shoulder. Because you owe somebody. Somebody's always looking for you. And it ain't for a hug. You owe somebody money. You have wronged somebody. You are constantly having to defend yourself. And it is out of your insecurities that you try to make your lifestyle look glamorous. Christian, do not envy that lifestyle. The father looked at the son and said, all that I have is yours. You've come home every day to a meal. You have come home every day to company. You have come home every day to the love of the Father. Don't look at something shiny and think that that's better than what you have. Man, some guys can spin a yarn. I mean, they can tell a story. And it sounds good. But it's not that good, is it? I could bring you up testimony of testimony of people in this building that are standing at me right now going, mm-hmm. And they could tell you about this seat. Carla, can I get an amen? Okay. They can tell you about this seat and where it leads. It's nothing to envy. And the world says, well, you just got to sit in every seat to see what fills you. No! No, you don't. No, you don't. Be grateful that your brother's alive. Because being grateful for him doesn't change your status at all. Listen, listen, you have inheritance. Whether you're happy or angry, you still have it. You might as well enjoy 
your lot. Now, this is what we get out of the parable, is the brothers. But I want to tell you, as the Bible is, this is really a story of the father. Here's my question from the, from the beginning. I've told y'all many times, God does a lot of things that I don't understand. And here's one of them. Why did you give him money? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever begged? God, why, why, did, you, why did you give me the desires for these things? Would you please take this away? There are men in here who have gone, God, I just, I don't want to like women anymore. Why'd you do this to me? God, why does this taste good? Why does, why, what benefit was there in giving him the money? You knew him. That's Jared. <laughs> you know what he's going to do with the money. <laughs> like in your wisdom, you gave him money. You, that, that wasn't even the rules. He's supposed to die first. No, you can't have your inheritance. That's not the way it works, son. You got to grow up and you got to mature. But the father, in his wisdom, understood that the only way to keep his son was to give him the gift. Now, obviously, I mean, I, it doesn't take a large leap. I don't want you to read things into the Bible that aren't there. But it doesn't take a large leap to, to walk into a story where there's two sons and the younger one's like, Dad, I want my stuff now so I can go. And so he obviously knows that there's problems going on. Right? And so in his wisdom, he knows that I'm going to have to allow him to see what the world has to offer so that he will know what it's like to have a father. Because remember what the son went away and said? He was dying literally of hunger. And he said, how many of my father's servants have plenty to eat? Which means that his father was a generous man. And he said, you know what? I long to just go back and be a servant. And he rehearses a speech on the way back. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm not even asking for that. I don't deserve it. Would you just allow me to work for you? Why? In Luke 15, 7, same chapter earlier, he says, I tell you in the same way, there will be... More joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. And that's what he comes to. He doesn't expect it. He just is going home to be a servant. I've lost everything. And I just desire to be back in my father's house. And we look back through our history and say, God, why would you allow it? And he says, so you'll come home. Understand, when the son comes home, the father has a different son. Yeah. 
This is you. This is you. And this is your new relationship with the Father. And it took hell on earth to make us understand how good it is in the Father's house. Do you understand that the Father was waiting on him? He saw him in the distance. That means he's looking for him. God, you've abandoned me. No. He's waiting for you to turn. And many of you have experienced that. And you said, yes, he got a new son in me. And thank God, ultimately, when I'm on the other side of it, I can see, thank God I was allowed to go through these things. Because what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his own soul? And so I had to go through hell and earth, but I understood who the Father was. That's the point in this story. Is the reason he left is because he didn't understand who his father was. He runs to the son, how ticked would you be, <laughs> who literally threw away a third of all he had worked his whole life for. That was things that he had gotten from his father through his inheritance as well liquidated it so that this son could have what he asked for, and he threw it, threw it away. I would be ticked. He was waiting. Why? Because he holds the life of the son more valuable than all the possessions that were lost. Listen, you youngest sons in here, do you understand that you're the only one that still has a hold up on all the assets that you lost? Do you understand that you're the one holding yourself in contempt over the things that you have lost? The Father is not worried about the goods. He owns it all. You are the ones. Are there consequences? Yes. Is God still worried about what you lost? Afraid that He'll never make up for the talent that He gave you that was wasted? No! The Father is not worried about it. You know what He wants? His Son. We see nowhere where the son was held in contempt. He put a robe on him, put a ring on him, killed the fattened calf because the loss of the assets didn't decline the value of the son. I know you have messed up, but it did not make you less valuable to the father. Somebody. I know that you ran away, but it didn't make you less valuable to the Father. It didn't make you less important to God. It didn't make him ever stop looking down the road saying, Today's the day that my son will come home, that my daughter will come home, that they will understand how good it is in my home. The Father never changed in any of this. The entire reason he allowed the son to go away was out of love. And the reason that he looked down the road every day, even though the man was in, in a place and they were afraid that he was dead because there was a famine and lots of people were dying, he knew that he had squandered all the money. He knew he was going to do it when he gave it to him. And the same father that gave it to him so that he could get his son back is the same father that watched down the road every day. Do you understand that Jesus died for you? And as if that weren't enough, he still convicts you when you lay in bed at night. If you will actually spend a moment in silence, the Holy Spirit Spirit convicts you. That's why you're here. If I died for you, I'm done pursuing you at that point. 
You're on your own. If I can't save you with that, you're done. But not this father. He looks down the road every day. He sends his Holy Spirit. He speaks into your heart. And many of you, there are stories of you in here who didn't even believe in God. And you don't know why. There's this pull. And so I had to research. I had to look. Why? Because the father never stops looking down the road for you. Never stops wanting his son to come home. This is a story about the goodness of the father. He placed a greater value on his son than all of the possessions. And when the son comes home, the father doesn't see a screw-up. What did he say to the older brother? He said, your brother was dead, and now he's alive. He's not even looking at it like he's the same son. He's not looking at it like, man, I'll tell you what, we're going to take him back. It's going to be rough, boy. It's going to be rough. You're going to have to help me look after your brother. He's a moron. No! He said, you got, you got your brother. He's alive. It's a new life. I'm not holding your sins against you. Is there still consequences? Is this, is this dude going to have some PTSD? Because you know somebody chased him through an alley at some point because he stole something. Is he still going to have some issues? Yeah, he's still going to have consequences for his sin. God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And he said this is the way that it's going to be, and that's the way that it is. But it doesn't make him love him any less. Spiritually, he is renewed. I have a new life. My son is reborn. He's not looking at him as the old screw-up that he used to be. He says, this is my son. I need you to understand this idea of regeneration is a theme throughout the Bible. God didn't cast Adam and Eve out. He made them clothes. God didn't destroy the whole world. He saved no one, said, start again. God didn't count everybody out. He chose Abraham and said, show them. And it's all rebirth, regeneration, new life. Boom, 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 boom. New priesthood with David. New everything with Jesus. It's constant renewal. You're the only one still looking at you as the old screw-up. Because the Father doesn't look through that lens. And he tells the oldest son, as the worship team comes up, he tells the oldest son, uh, let, let, let me just read it. I'm going to tell you guys what to go to. Verse 31, back there on the computer. Uh, Luke 15, 31. Thank you so much. Son, he said to him, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I want you to go back and read the entire chapter of Luke. He keeps, I mean, it's just parable after parable that's saying the same thing. And like I said, there's a lot of gold under, under the ground. There's a lot going on with the old law, the new law, the covenants, the pigs, the banquet. This all plays uh, plays a part, and a, a Jewish culture would have understood this better than us. But it doesn't just mean one or the other. It means both. There is gold on the ground. There is new birth, new, uh, new life. There is forgiveness from the Father. And that's not our concern, forgiveness from the Father, because you have it. If you truly repent, you have it. The problem happens... How long do you think it is before he sees himself as a legitimate part of the family and not the screw-up, embarrassment son? And unfortunately, 
this seat may take the longest to forgive. Don't be that brother. Whether you forgive your brother or not, you still have all the inheritance. You still have the blessing. Let it go. And if you're in this seat, why would you see yourself as junk when the Father sees you as valuable? Which one of you, between you and God, whose opinion should you take? Pray with me. Lord, thank you. Thank you that things are different in your kingdom. God, it's so much better than what we've set the world up to be. Your way is so much better. God, I pray for every person in this place, watching online, anything that is sitting in one of these two seats today, Father, that the story will not be about ourselves, but about you and your forgiveness and you giving us what we don't deserve, whether, whether we have run from you or not, we have been in sin. And you have been good. You have been good to both of your sons. And we thank you because you are constant and you are forgiving. God, I can't begin to imagine what has happened to people in this room were watching us when they were away in another land. I can't understand it, God, and if I'm going to be real honest, sometimes I still question you about why you would have given the inheritance. But God, I know that you said all things work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And so I pray, Lord, that you will call them out of that land and into your promised land God, I know there are those in this place who are struggling with not themselves in that wayward place, but, but their own children. Father, would you call them out? And give us a grace, Lord, to be as you are with us when we came home. And lastly, Lord, for anybody who hasn't turned and come home, God, I pray that they will have the assurance of your forgiveness faith that you are waiting looking down the road for them and God that they will respond and run to you and we ask this in Jesus name Amen. the worship team is going to play another song and uh, I, I just I, I want you to do this okay if that's been your seat and you said, there's no way, I'm far too unclean. And, and you see, man, this is just one of so many stories that I could pull out to say that you are not too far from God. And some of you have even told me, listen, I turned, I've stopped living that lifestyle, but there's just no way to atone for my sins. Yes, there is, and that way is Jesus, and he's already done it. If you are wanting to accept that, you're shy. You don't want to talk about it now. All right, write it on your connection card. Drop it in the plate. But the worship team will be here. And service is over. I have uh, all across uh, these rows in the front, I have believers. My wife is here. Uh, Jerry, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, they're standing right here. 
they are well equipped to lead you uh, in this path home. Would you please, we want you to come. When service is over, we want you to come down. We want you to speak with somebody. You can't wait. Sure, do that while we're singing. That's fine. Uh, but they're going to play one more song. Uh, part of the way that we worship is with tithe and offering. Put that in the baskets. But also, again, if you have that connection card, uh, let us know what we can do with you as your church family. Uh, put that in. And uh, that's it. Stand in worship with us, please. Thank you.